Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Kyle Hill. He is a district special education resource lead and founder of the Recharged Family. He's an award-winning educator who has worked in special education for 25 years in the state of Delaware. His first 20 years teaching was as a special education teacher in an elementary school, but since he has been working as a district-wide resource lead in attempt to help teachers and paraeducators support all the students within their diverse classrooms. His role involves academic and behavior support, overseeing first-year teacher mentor programs, and leading all special education services and curriculum programs for the entire school district. Um, Kyle is currently working on multiple projects, of which we'll talk about a few in this recording. Uh, this summer, he's partnered with education leaders from across North America, and he'll be providing educators with over 50 workshops before uh, the start of the 23-24 school year. He's also in the process of creating student mentor program where community members come into schools to meet with individual students to make a positive impact. Welcome to the podcast, Kyle. Thank you, Dana. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so um, you have your own podcast, uh, the Recharged Ed Podcast. I was on it um, earlier this uh, year, and now um, we're doing a podcast swap. So uh, welcome <laughs> on, and tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to call out. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> interesting enough, I spent most of my school year as a student <laughs> in the trenches yeah. as far as trying to uh, find my way out. I was I did not do yeah. well in school. For a variety of reasons, so I had uh, some academic challenges, a little bit of behavior challenges. What I know now that I didn't know then, having undiagnosed ADHD did not help me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was—I always say I was a, a proud member. I wasn't so proud then, but I am now of the Crows reading group. Meaning, like when I was in fourth grade, they had different reading groups, and there was the Blue Jays, and there was mm. the there was the <laughs> Orioles and the Cardinals, and they were <laughs> dynamic readers. And then there was us, the Crows, and we kind of traveled together all the way yeah. through, even into high school as a collective group. And I, I graduated from the Crows, but unfortunately in high school, I had some struggles too, you know, failed a, failed a course, almost failed another course. And, and there just was a lot of things that I didn't, didn't really figure out until I got to high, into college. And so mm-hmm. luckily when I got to college, I started to figure out there were some things that I could do to help myself, but I didn't really partially on me. I didn't have the motivation many times in high school to do, to uh, mm-hmm. figure it out. But when I got to college, I, I really kind of put some pieces together. Would have been helpful for me to figure that out earlier in my in my mm-hmm. student career. Transfer ahead. The reason why I got into being a special education teacher is obviously I wanted to work with students who had needs, academic and behavioral needs. And I had that that job is any job in education is tiring and hard work. Mm-hmm. There's there's no doubt about that. But when you're working with students with significant disabilities, many times behaviors come with that. It's really challenging work. I had one year in particular that was just every layer of challenge came at in during one year. And it mm-hmm. was professional and it was also personal. So my son was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And that's a game changer for a family. 
So if you don't know much about type one diabetes, it is he he requires insulin in order to and it's life saving medicine basically. So it, there's a lot of stress that goes with that. And we had twins. So mm -hmm. along with that, we had twins who were not sleeping at night. Now, mm -hmm. at this point, this year in particular, I'm thinking of our girls were about two years old, but they still yeah. weren't sleeping at night. So we had layers of stress with our son and helping him manage diabetes as an eight, nine year old and obvious stresses as being parents of twins. And then the layer of I had one of the most challenging classes that I'd ever had mm -hmm. with a lot of behavior uh, issues in the classroom. Really great kids, just kids who had a lot of challenges. Yeah. And working through that, working through all of that uh, was super frustrating at times. And I learned a lot about myself. I really learned about how much I could push myself to the brink and, and keep myself going and and then start to get to the point where I say, all right, I got to find a way to breathe here because life sure. is just hitting me from every angle. So yeah, that was definitely the piece that that was the has been the most difficult in my in my t teaching, I say teaching career, but also as a parent as well, it kind of combines together. And there was nothing like specific that I would say, just a magic wand that we waved yeah. my that, that pulled us out of this. It, it, that's not the case at all. But really, it was just having belief that, you know, keep working for the kids at school and making sure that you're trying to help them keep working and give them the best support you possibly can. And also uh, at home with our own kids making sure my wife and I are, even though it had plenty of challenges at home, keeping our heads on straight mm -hmm. and just keeping focused as my very first principle used to always say, and I this stick, sticks in my head often, you're keeping the main thing, the main thing. And at home, mm -hmm. the main thing for my wife and I is focus on our kids and helping them in any way possible. And at school, it's the kids and focusing mm -hmm. on how we can help them in any way possible. And that's really what drove me through and working, working through what was a really, really challenging year. Yeah. And it seems sometimes when it rains, it pours, right? Yep. <laughs> you, you know, have the extra challenging class and you had challenges at home, but you know, those things, those resiliencies, uh, they help us become stronger and, um, you know, work through, uh, difficult times that may arise, um, in the future. So I wanted to talk a little bit about your passion for connecting uh, parents and community with schools. Um, I share that passion. Um, a lot of the time parents feel like uh, it's them against the school. Um, mm. And they also don't know like how to really connect because school is a lot different from when they went to school. So yep. talk to me a little bit about some programs, uh, the student mentoring program, for example, uh, what what you're helping um, develop and what what the goal is for that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is something my wife and I are really passionate about because going through what we have, not only do we have a, a son mm -hmm. with type one, but we also have multiple kids with ADHD, mm -hmm. anxiety disorder, a uh, daughter with a hearing impairment. We now sometimes mm -hmm. sit on the other side of the table and go through 504 meetings. And so yeah. what I traditionally have done is somebody working in special education or working in intervention services is Facilitating meetings is what I used to do uh, before I moved to the, my my current position, mm -hmm. and so going through that process was really eye opening. I remember walking out of that first five hundred four meeting for my son, and I thought I had prepped my wife a little bit about what mm -hmm. that meeting would look like, 
sure. we got in the car and I was feeling pretty good. Like, Hey, I think it went pretty well. My wife started crying mm-hmm. and I said, are you okay? I thought that was okay. She said, I knew all the people who were there, but I still have no idea what just happened. All I know okay. was there was a lot of, a lot of uh, acronyms tossed around, a lot of educational jargon. We sure. passed around a piece of paper mm-hmm. and we signed it and sure. it, it was enough to make her head spin. It was at that moment that I realized you know, she is somebody that has some knowledge of the education space and it was still a challenge for her. And so since then, her and I have talked a lot uh, about a lot of different ways that we need to work on connecting the home and the school, the community and school. And there's a lot of different things that we've we've kind of dove into. And actually, my wife is now we just uh, just elected to the school board. So she's trying to okay. we're trying to do that Uh even on a, on a localized level beyond, you know, what we can do with the community to bring into our own personal, mm-hmm. sc- our own local school district. So one of the things that I learned earlier this year, though, is sent me down a different rabbit hole. So I have, as you said, my, my job, I have a lot of different things, which is great, especially if someone with ADHD, I'm all over the school district. This is not, mm-hmm. it's not a job for everybody, but for me, it's yeah. perfect. I can be in a pre-K classroom. And then an hour later, I'm in 11th grade classroom. Enough to make somebody's head spin, but for me, it keeps everything fresh and I love it. Well, in this particular case, I had one school that I was just spending a lot of time on with behavior support. We just had a lot Mm -hmm. of kids at the element. This was an elementary school, just really struggling. The staff, I felt horrible for the staff. I was trying to give them all the the best support and and ideas and things just weren't really clicking. We had some success, but not to the point that I was feeling good about how everything was moving. And I kept thinking like, what, what can I go to, to help them? What further, what, what else can I dig into my bag of tricks? Sure. And I thought back to when I was first became a teacher at first, I was lucky enough to be in a school that was, that was really struggling, but had really, really good people at it. And we turned towards a student mentoring program. Okay. And that's what we've done. That's what we did at this school. And it's also what I helped to get going in, in a lot of our schools in our district. And so what we would do is bring in community members, we recruit community members and come in and they would spend 20 minutes with a student once a week and just really work on connection and being another mm-hmm. layer of support for a student. I kind of say like, it's it's really your role as a mentor is being like a cheerleader. You're not going in to, hey, make sure you do this, make sure you do this, make sure you do this. That's not really your role. Your role is as a mentor is to try to be the positive person who pats them on the back and say, keep going, you can do this. I had this, this whole thing was the importance of this whole thing was, was driven home to me just this last spring when I was at a a school district event and a young man came up, tapped me on the shoulder. I turned around, it's a six foot, 18 year old. Mm -hmm. And he he said, Hey, Mr. Hill, you remember me? I was like, Oh my goodness. I absolutely did remember him. Gave him a big hug. I was his mentor when he was in fourth and fifth grade. And then he went on to tell me about how much that meant to him. He was going through some really traumatic stuff in his home life. Things were not good. And he just went on to, to, to gush about how that helped him get through a few really challenging years. And now he was happy because he had two choices. He can go to the military or he can go into college. And he was saying you know, that ha- having that mentor to help him was was really inspirational and kept him moving. And that mm-hmm. drove home for me. Wow, exactly. The work we've been doing in some of our schools and the importance mm-hmm. of the mentor program. So that being said, gone through and developing a program that by the time this drops will probably be out, 
the thing I've learned about mentor programs is it's not easy to get it going. Sure. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. You got to recruit people. Mm-hmm. And yes, we did have a lot of success, but it, it was a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of extra work. Principals don't have enough time usually to sure. do this. Campus leaders in general, a teacher. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Mm -hmm. So we've developed a program that will train what we call a site leader. And the Mm -hmm. site leader can take over the program and run it for you. And the site leader could be a parent or maybe a group of parents. It could be a paraprofessional in the school. And their role mm-hmm. is to help you with recruiting. And mm-hmm. from our end, the whole program provides training, training for the site leader, training for the mentors you bring in, and then also maybe a video for the mentee, the kid who's getting getting uh, going through the mentoring process, explaining what it is. And so it just kind of dives into all those pieces and how you can get a student mentoring program up and running at your school. It, it's another layer it's another way we just can't have enough good people around kids especially kids with mm-hmm. needs and so the more we can blanket them with good people who are trying to help them and and pat them on the back and cheer them on the the better they're going to have chances for success in life mm-hmm. and so this will be um part of the recharged family um so you're going to put it out um on your website uh, when it's available but it's also something you're doing in your school district um so would, would the stuff that people are able to uh, download that just be something that they can um, use and uh, tailor t- to their own needs? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. We kind of give you the framework okay, and we'll give you the framework and the uh, just the general, you know, all the pieces really that you would need to get it going, but tweak it as you need to, you know, everything okay. from how, you know, how you target, what what would a principal's role be or what would a teacher, if a teacher just wanted to run a mentor program for their mm-hmm. classroom, what would their role be? Who are the students you're targeting? And then sure. how you go about recruiting? Uh, how would how would you recruit people from your community? We were lucky enough to have you know, police officers come in. Uh, we lean on college students, um, just people in the community in general. And actually, one of the one of the interesting things was I knew we had some kids with some more behavioral needs. And I was a little worried about bringing random people in from the community in and them mm-hmm. trying to work with kids with more behavioral needs. So we, we went down, I went down this list of retired teachers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. retired paras. And I just went one after another. And some of them, some of them already had things that were going on, but some of them were like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. And mm-hmm. so then we were strategic about how we linked them up with certain students and it worked out to be pretty well. It was interesting. A lot of the people had said, me and the mentors had said, you know, this was their best part of the week, their favorite part of the week. We, nice. we linked up some of the people at our district office, too. So we had mm-hmm. directors who were mentoring students, one or two students. Um, and you know, they, too, said the same thing. Like, this is my favorite part of the week. I get to hang mm-hmm. out 20 minutes, just work on a connection with a kid and have fun and, and spend some time with them. And it's just, just been meaningful stuff. But, yeah, it, it's all part of the Recharged Family, our network, which, mm-hmm. you know, this will be out, like I said, it'll be out by the end of summer. So by the time this drops, it'll already be out. And you can you can find out more about it at our rechargefamily.com webpage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I like how you're looking for these mentors in places that 
you know, maybe not people that see students in large quantities like an administrator or a teacher, uh, like you said, might not have the capacity, uh, but retirees, um, you know, even people that work um, in other um, uh, positions such as, um, you know, the custodians or cafeteria workers, other people that, you know, can work with cl uh, students closely and like spending time. Um, during their day, um, because they might be at an office job, right? Yep. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's really one, one other really cool. Yeah. One other cool idea is sometimes you can link up with businesses. Okay. And so if you link up with a business, they will sometimes arrange it with their employees. Say, hey, we'll allow you to use you know one day a week. You can use your lunch time, lunch period, go yeah. over and spend time with with a kid. And that that's just a creative mm -hmm. way to 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 bring in many people in one failed swoop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I was recently uh, saw that you put a call out for educators in the Teach Better Network, and you are compiling now a list of educators who will be providing over 50 workshops um, for educators that people can access through the Recharged Family uh, website. So talk to me about your vision for these workshops. Yeah, thanks. I, I'm really excited about this. Mm -hmm. And this this came from a variety of for a variety of different reasons. One, I, I just I know whether it be in our own school district, but talking with mm -hmm. educators cross country, it's been a long year. It's been it's really been a long year. And um looking into to 23, 24, just mm -hmm. wanted to find a way to help everybody hit the ground running and get rejuvenated and so we're creating workshops that will be available all year long. So if this is dropping, I don't know, whenever it is during the school year, they'll still be available. And the idea is bringing in really good people that have been fortunate enough, like yourself, to connect with mm -hmm. through the years and doing doing some of this work in podcasting and, and working uh, as content creation and bringing people in that I think could make a really, really meaningful impact, providing any, you know, all kinds of different areas and different approaches, but just in general, bringing things they're passionate about and sharing mm -hmm. that with educators. Mm -hmm. And it also came, the other thing I'd thought about was not just, you know, getting workshops out, but doing it in a meaningful way that wasn't going to mm -hmm. cost people a lot of money. I shared with mm -hmm. you before we started recording, you know, I've seen workshops lately in the last couple of weeks, they've just been astronomical in cost. And I, I really, this is what we're doing to educators. We're, mm -hmm. we're saying you can, you can take this workshop, but it's going to cost you $500. I'm not, sure. I'm not sure that's the best approach, right? So we've, we've strategically tried to figure out ways that we can keep a, you know, everything you get just down to $10 so that you get everything you need. And then we're bringing in such good people. We're going to share resources. We're also being, we're fortunate to have some really good businesses who are endorsing this thing and mm -hmm. handing out freebies. Like, Braining Camp, for one, for example, is a is a math online manipulatives board um, platform that's amazing, and they're going to hand out uh, you know a free teacher license for the whole for a year, something along that lines. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of like uh, different things you're going to get just for jumping in. But the the idea, the overall idea, is bringing in really good people in education yeah. and letting them share what they're passionate about and giving all the educators out there some extra food for thought and some extra resources mm -hmm. to help them work through the year. Okay. Yeah. And I really love that opportunity for educators to be able to access things like that throughout the year. Um, I participated in other events through my connections, but sometimes that's just a one day event or it might only be out for a, a month. And if you don't hear about it, 
then yep. it's gone, right? And so yep. providing these workshops that people can access, uh, you know, I get what you're saying about some of the organizations I'm a member of, and it used to be free for a couple of years, right? Around the pandemic, yep. and now uh, they're charging <laughs> like roughly 150 or 250 yeah. or something. And yeah. these are like three hour workshops, and you know, not all the educators get funding to attend all the workshops that they'd want to attend. Yes, so. that's exactly right. Unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, and I always think that who's the who's the target of this? Well, it's yeah, yeah principals, teachers, but I also yeah. I know a lot of para. I do do a lot of work with paraprofessionals. And they mm -hmm. constantly say to me, where can I get more professional development? Where can I get? And I, so that's been in the back of my head too. Like paraprofessionals are not making as, as much money as everybody else. So to be fair to them too, this will, this will hopefully be, give them another opportunity to, to get some workshops and meaningful professional development sessions. And it won't mm -hmm. cost them an arm and a leg too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've had a great conversation around uh, the work that you're doing to provide uh, students with mentors, uh, putting that on your website, working to gather um, leaders who provide these workshops, and uh, just a little bit about your background as a student uh, with both academic and behavioral challenges. Out of everything we talked about, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? That's a great question, and thanks again for having me on. I love the I love the mission of your podcast, by the way. I love, I love listening to everybody. First thing out of everybody's mouth is, you know, coming out of the trenches. What is their, yeah. what is their thing? And so I, I just appreciate that. It, it's tough to, to say just one thing, but I will say I'm really passionate, as I said, mm -hmm. about community and how we're linking up with the community. It, the lift in public schools is too much to do on our own. Yeah, it just is. It just is. We, have way too much to do. And and don't get me wrong, everybody in education is trying their best. Everybody, mm -hmm. everybody is giving their best effort, but I feel like we are missing a big piece of the puzzle and it's making sure we're pulling parents in, making sure we're doing some things to keep them up to date on everything that's happening, but also, you know, meet maybe meeting them where they're at and pulling mm -hmm. them in best that we can. And then also getting out to the community and seeing how they can help our school districts, our, our classrooms, mm -hmm. our students. It, it's important stuff. And I think it's since the pandemic, especially, I think these kinds of pieces have really crumbled. You know, the, the lack of getting people mm -hmm. into schools, mm -hmm. this has been a hard time. It's, it's been a, it's been take a long time to get, the, get back to the point where people are comfortable heading back into schools to help out again. So I, I feel like mm -hmm. really strongly about, we need to make sure that we're leaning on other people's because like I said, you know, schools can't do this alone. It, it, kids benefit when everybody's invested in the community, the parents, the community as a whole, and obviously mm -hmm. the school system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that. Like just doing our um, our due diligence and reaching out and helping students see like what life will be like out of high school, right? Not yeah. just having educators around them, but having those mentors in the community. Uh, where can people connect with you and find you online? Yeah, thanks. Uh, really easy. It's just rechargefamily.com. And if you're looking for me on social media, we're on, on all the socials, uh, including TikTok, at Recharge Family, and everything is Recharge Family. Okay, sounds good. Well, thank you so much for being my guest on the Out of the Trenches podcast today. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. You can access it through Amazon, 
You can buy it at the Road to Awesome website, or you can get it through my website at danagoodier.com. Please read, leave a review, and you can also access it on Kindle. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at out of trenches PC. Mm-hmm.